Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Swisspreneur. Today, I'm at the headquarter of Freitag, and I'm meeting with the founders of this company. They are brothers, and I want to know how it is to start a company with a brother, and also what the next big thing for them will be. Let's go and chat with them. Hi, Marcus. Hi, Daniel. Good to be here. Where are we? Um, we're in Zurich. We are at the Freitag factory. Um, if you would not see the background, you would smell it. Uh, it's a, a big factory full of dirty truck tarps and a little bit more proper looking bags, but still dirty. Yeah, it's a, it's a production of Freitag bags um, and that's uh, our unique. We started with messenger bags, but now it's a whole range of, of individual products that we uh, produce here in Zurich. It's also the place where 120 people work for Freitag. I was so Zurich. overwhelmed when I when I drove around the building how big it actually is and everything is here. Like I know that some things take place in other parts in the world, but you are so focused on Zurich and you got your team so together. And I think that could be the most interesting part, how you actually grew from you two founders mm -hmm. to what we see today with mm -hmm. all these products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's the same, just a little bit bigger, but the same uh, than when we started in 1993, like uh, almost, almost <laughs> 25 years ago. So, uh, yeah, we scaled it up a little bit, but uh, the values and the brothers are still the same. Are so. still here. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can, you could take us at the really early days, like you were not in the fashion industry when you started your business careers. What, what's your origin? Like, where are you coming from? I think we're, we could call ourselves designers. Um, I'm a graphic artist. Marcus is a display designer. So uh, our education is more um, about design. Um, and I think the early days, um, there was never a plan to found a company or to build a brand. It was really um, actually a personal need. We wanted to have a messenger bag. We couldn't get it. And like in our childhood, when we didn't receive our presents for Christmas that we wished to have, we did it ourselves. And so I think it was a little bit this mentality to really do it. So we didn't know where to buy a bike messenger bag. There were the first messengers in San Francisco, New York, but not in Zurich. And so uh, we basically did it ourselves. And by not knowing what kind of material would be suitable, it was actually Marcus' living situation. Yeah, next to a freeway and no internet, no Google around to search where to buy strong and waterproof material. So it was the truck uh, passing by this over apartment the over the Hartbrücke. And yeah, there we started. We, we, we catched one of those truck tarps and we made like the first prototype. And this is the, the product we still do. Still then. in the collection, the yeah. first prototype. Um, also in the collection of the Museum of Modern Art, which I is in New York, right? nice for a yeah. designer yeah, of course. <laughs> to be there presented. Like um, so it kind of became a classic, um, but the range is now much bigger. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that's something which is very unique for you guys, that you are scratching the own itch. Like you are producing stuff you can need. Is there something which drives you behind that? Like, what is it that 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 you are? Is it is it your character? Is it an experience you learned? Is it maybe something you grew up with that makes you to solve your own problems? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you already mentioned a little bit uh, our childhood. So um, if there was an idea, but uh, not money to buy, we thought, okay, let's do it by ourselves. And usually we did especially objects with material we just found uh, around, uh, which are not used anymore. And what we also liked is to combine uh, existing materials to, to bring them together and to bring something new um, out of it. And, and I think this is a little bit my way. I, I prefer to work with material with my hands, mm -hmm. even if I spend some hours on a computer a day. But uh, happy I'm more uh, in, a, in a workshop, actually. Yeah. And I think that we start with our own needs or problems or pains and gains. I, th I think there is, is, is not about selfishness. I think it's just a very authentic way to create something relevant. I think uh, yeah, if, if you think about the target group, I, I don't even like that work to have target, a, a, yeah. target somebody. So Weird, I think yeah. if you put yourself in the center of, of your needs and, and try to create a solution around that, I think um, yeah, it's, it's actually the most hard thing to convince yourself. Right. <laughs> and this, I think that's maybe also the brotherhood. Um, I think when I'm happy, he's maybe critical and the other way around. And I think that even kind of makes that circle spin a bit longer or faster yeah. or deeper. <laughs> and yeah, we like to challenge each other. That's maybe the good thing about brothers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's maybe too challenging, but in the end it's always or like a good energy we generate like that. So when you, at the moment, you realize that there is more to it than just a, 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 a prototype for mm -hmm. you guys, mm -hmm. how was that? How did that feel and how, how much did you actually realize it? Or is it more that you, when you look back now to it? And I think it was the instant feedback from our um, friends and community we have been in. I mean, it's, it was kind of art school, or uh, so it was actually our friends who liked what we had and, and want, asked for more. So it was a, more like crowdfunding than. <laughs> it was crowdfunding <laughs> where there were no crowdfunding. Yeah, no fund, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was the yeah. crowd, but no fund. Yeah, but a lot of pre orders probably. It is a little bit the same. They said, could you do one for us, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think we really started, um, I just remember even that word we didn't know back then, event. But I think it was the, one of the first moments to really make the product available was actually an event. So we, that bridge you mentioned, it's a freeway bridge yeah. which went yeah. right through Zurich. And we basically had the, um, just the cutouts um, of our bags and, and we brought them outside onto that freeway bridge. Um, and we had some, something to drink and some good music. And we basically had an event where people could pick their own uh, pieces and, and design their own. Uh, it was already a, something like mass customization. Okay. <laughs> but, but how did you come up with these ideas? Was it gut feeling that you said? I would say so. I mean, of course, we um, are designers, graphic artists. And I think just we, we had a, an idea about communication and, and, and thinking in pictures. Um, and I think that that helps a lot. I think uh, it's a lot about kind of picture you remember the next day and I think to produce these feelings these moments I think we that was a sort of our profession or, or that's what we are excited about and I think that's was probably good help and but it was always both it was these ideas on one side on the other side it was no money to do it in another way so there was no money to rent an event location so we so you just had to go to the roof yeah <laughs> but what would you recommend to a 20 year old now maybe studying design as you did or studying business as i did what would you recommend to them to actually taking a route similar to what you did mm -hmm. yeah 
in a, in a short way, it's just do it, uh, just try it, just try to make a prototype, try to test it before you scale it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I would still do it the same because mm -hmm. usually you work too long on plans and visions and ideas, but they never become real. And if it, there is a possibility, and I believe still today, um, there are possibilities to just to start it. I think time was never better now. I think, um, I think the, the tools, the, the channels, the, um, the way you can act, crowdfunding and so on, I think time was never better to start your idea. And I think things we maybe, uh, by gut feeling, we, we tried things out, but I think now you have, have wonderful platforms to use for that. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I mean, you still need to kind of find that solution and, and uh, <laughs> get the, the feedback from the people trying those prototypes. But I think um, it was never so yeah. obvious how you could do it. <laughs> I, I still would recommend to do it with, with a partner, uh, yeah. not alone, mm -hmm. because they, uh, we already talked about it. You have a challenger and, and uh, you have to play hard uh, on, a, on an early stage. Yeah. Otherwise, you just dream and then you struggle on the market. And, and if you struggle, in a, in a smaller setup, I think it, it would be easier to restart. Well, and I think it was probably also um, kind of having, I think we have high ambitions, but not from a business perspective. We just wanted to um, reach our goals. And I think this, this constant improvement, I think uh, is something that's easier when you're maybe two brothers. And I think also this, that you give yourself the time to grow. I mean, um, we had a very, we call it organic growth. Um, it was a constant and steady thing, but we never had outside money in it. So it was basically really having some money to buy an industrial sewing machine. That was our investment. <laughs> so we have been sewing the first hundred bags, sold them, and this gave us the possibility to um, buy a silk print facility to make our labels and so on. So it was a, a constant, slow improvement. And of course, it was also an idea which was is low tech. I mean, it's it's that it's not Most much. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so besides time and and some skills, there was not much needed, which is is um, definitely uh, a nice startup situation. The computer you bought was much more expensive than the first uh, yes. sewing so, so so machine. machine. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. But maybe you could also take us a little bit on the right. Like, there are a lot of entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, who believe that they have to take outside money. Mm -hmm. And you already said, um, Daniel, that um, you didn't take um, outside money. So um, maybe you could tell us a little bit like how you grew step by step and mm -hmm. how that developed and mm -hmm. when the first employee came into place and how you took these decisions and mm -hmm. these investments. Mm -hmm. Because it's something which you have to do carefully. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, if you take too mm -hmm. much risk, you could mm -hmm. go bankrupt. Yeah. And since we are still here, you did mm -hmm. probably a very good job on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think if it's only your money and your investment, you really can stick to your values. I think uh, suddenly you get the pressure to have the profits and so on. I think it was a, this, this organic growth maybe a reason why we really could stick with our values. But um, how do you do it? I mean, of course, in our case, it was kind of easy because um, yeah, we really could produce the entire product with one sewing machine. Um, and so I remember, of course, the next step, um, some publicity. And back then, it was really before internet in Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> um, we went to a magazine and, and uh, they had like this one page where they presented that product uh, of the week. And so we basically rang the bell and said like, we have it. 
here, please publish it. And, and, and so they ask us actually, yeah, but where can you buy it? And so we had like, yeah, well, in our roommate flat, um, fifth floor. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, it would be good to have a commercial uh, storefront. So actually there was the approach to uh, go to the first retailer and say like, hey, we have a product. It's uh, in the newspaper next week and you want to carry it. And so I think we really had the chance to, to do it step by step. And always, I mean, still now, we always invested in back in the company and, and uh, in the dirty tarps, in um, the facility, in, in communication. So I think it's, it was always a reinvesting um, what we earned. But I think the tough thing today and still at this time is to make your living uh, beside. If you have to buy the food and pay the rent, for example, in Zurich, this is not so easy actually. Right. Uh, yeah, luckily we've been young, it was just like some spaghetti and one uh, little room and not like a family and a house and something like that. So I think that makes it also easier to to start Early like on. we did. Yeah. yeah. Now we have yeah. co-working spaces and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the sure, computers yeah. Sure. Are, are less uh, expensive yeah, than true. at this yeah. time. Yeah. I think your first laptop was like 8,000 Swiss francs. That was <laughs> the, the, the first... Uh, the, the, the black, the black yeah. uh, Wall Street and model from... Yeah, I know. And you still can find some cheap uh, spaces to stay but uh, and how how did you cope with failure like was there a, fa a failure you remember like something where you really said oh sh shit that didn't work out mm. as we thought i think if you make so many small steps um you also don't fail so uh, big high. or yeah. high mm -hmm. um, that's maybe the good thing for sure there are some not straight path, yeah. but sometimes yeah. it was a little bit... Uh, Crossing <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but there was not, not a big failure, I think. Um, there was always a lot of learning, and I think it's, it's, it's more the way we experience it. It was, it was kind of learning and constant improvement, much yeah. more than, than failure. And I think because if you have this prototyping approach, then mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like failure, it feels like learning. Mm -hmm. That's a very important mm -hmm. message, I think. So it's not it's not that because you had some failure, but they were more outside of your company, right? Yeah. You you <coughs> invested or you invested, you worked with a, with a group called Skim.com. Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was an interesting startup. Yeah. So it was like a little bit like a Facebook at really really early mm -hmm. days, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a mix of of many. Um, Big IT companies, uh, which are around that day, was probably a mix between MySpace, Facebook. Uh, we had a. a, a kind of um, there was music platform mm -hmm. on it so it was it was too much I guess <laughs> no but the, basically it was a um, I think the main reason for the failure was that the outside investor didn't realize what we are because we have not been a, an, an internet startup we have been an, an online physical clothing company with a very clever communication idea on top and for the communication was of course a dot-com idea but we have not been a, a a scalable dot-com idea. And I think this was actually, um, I think the, the, the VC didn't realize that. And they were uh, aiming for, for this, this kind of fast growth, Super fast yeah, growth. Yeah. which, which mm -hmm. you can't reach if you produce physical goods and sell them. Um, Takes a little longer than yeah. just... And probably you're uh, not yeah. the people for that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Probably you mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. your value set is different. Yeah, I think that's also what we learned from there, what we don't want to 
but you don't want to be. How we don't want to act. Maybe picking up the eco ecological mm -hmm. um, perspective. How much then you actually travel? Like, how do you? Is it something you measure, or do you have a certain amount of trips you allow yourself to do, or? How? Uh, in a way, yes. So um, we like to make trips where we have a lot of missions in a row and not only like, okay, go to um, Tokyo and back and then to Singapore and back. So when we travel, we try to make a lot of stops and we don't travel like every day or every month. Mm -hmm. um, so far, I never traveled with Queen Mary, but it would be maybe more sustainable than uh, <laughs> with the airplane. Yeah. 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 I like I to mean, travel by train. In Europe, uh, it's my folding bicycle, uh, the same with you, and the train. And I really like to work in the train. Uh, yeah, no, that's actually my favorite way to travel in trains. And it's also a good place to work. If yeah. comparing to yeah. if you know you don't I have a for four people, driver's uh, license, yeah. no. it's like it's like much better yeah. in a car. Yeah. You are yeah. you are in traffic jam. Yeah. You can't work. So yeah. in the train, yeah. it's very relaxed. I remember yeah, when so we the restaurant car in the trains is, is our oh, yeah. favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they are sometimes not so good, but uh, the, the way you can sit and talk yeah. and yeah. drink, the drinks are okay in the trains. What I really <laughs> like about working in train is that. Um, there could be even a moment of silence and it doesn't feel awkward because if you're in a meeting room somehow always somebody needs to talk otherwise it feels strange but in a train sometimes the landscape is passing by and you can kind of reflect a little bit on what was that and I think this is this is a very very healthy way of, of thinking working talking and that's why I, I really like to make um, meetings in trains that's something what you experience when you are with uh, for drinks with someone and then mm -hmm. one leaves for the restroom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then a lot of thoughts start to take yeah. place because yeah. you have mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so you could yeah. do your your uh, strategy strategy meetings in a train yeah. <laughs> so you have yeah. always a lot of time to think mm -hmm. maybe that's also something which is very different from your company i think a lot of young people think when they start a company they have to lead the company mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you yourself you said we are putting someone into the lead. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. did you come up with this idea and why did you do it? Why did you not mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. why did? Why is not the CEO of Freitag, one of the Freitag brothers? Yeah. Well, it's a, a little bit of history we probably have to make. And, and of course, it's because we see ourselves as designer. I, I like the German word, the Gestalter, um, but even yeah. better than, than designer. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you, we never wanted to lose ability um, to spend time on that and and I, I think we always had the feeling like yeah we, we should collaborate with, with people with different know-how and and at certain point we um, had zwei Geschäftsführer we didn't call them CEO back then yeah. <laughs> and interestingly we don't have a CEO nowadays um, we also had the feeling like the illusion that there is this one central person who is executing and chief executing uh, the whole thing and uh, I think I, I don't like this idea anymore so much and I think we never had this culture so much. Um, of course um, it was a chance for us to focus on what we love to do, gestalten, design, um, but as you mentioned the holistic part involves the, 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 the business part as well so I think only if there is an interaction um, you can have a 
build a brand like we love to do it. I think it's if you separate too much, it's like, okay, you're responsible for the business part, we do the creative. It's probably not going to be a, a healthy connection, and I think that's why you you should it should be a more more holistic way to design your business, and and in that sense, that's why also we we really um, spend quite some time now um, on our um, organizational structure, um, and I think it's already since a few years we're on a path of of really alternative ways to organize ourselves. Um, I was I was drawing pictures of. A city to explain how we want to have feel our our organize our our company. We had to feel like it's, it's, it should more feel like a city. Of course, we need some streets and some rules how we drive on those streets. But um, once can... we called it a beta organization, which means not alpha organization mm -hmm. like the CEO, and then you have like the pyramid. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was the same. I was the... borrowing from the IT industry the whole Scrum thing. I think we could use it also Scrum. for product design, not just to. Uh, um, for web design, and so we we start to experiment quite early with, with um, agile approaches, and now we uh, decided to go for the system holacracy because we just realized that some of the missing parts we had in our um, organization were just kind of very precisely defined in that system. And Could you name certain things that you refound in holacracy that you see? Maybe you already were doing some things, but... Well, what I really appreciate that there's this system, um, that, that you really have the software to it, that you can have this, uh, the little organizational steps that they are always transparent, documented in the software, and, and everybody can see what's changing and can use this, this um, as an organizational chart, as, a, as an info base, and also that the meetings are structured in a, in a very strict way because um, we're a creative industry and, and we um, are a creative company and we like or love to reinvent everything, but sometimes you need to stick something. And I think this, this very nearby a little bit stiff process um, is quite helpful to uh, such a creative environment, which I still consider we are. And how did the people react when you first came up with this idea of holacracy? Was it something which was I think Welcome. it's important that you involve them all uh, very early. Um, if it takes too long and a lot of people don't know what do they mean with holacracy, then I think it's dangerous um, if you don't have the information. So if you decide to do it and to roll it out, you should do it um, yeah, in a way fast, I would recommend. It's a collective learning curve. Um, if I'm enthusiastic about it, it doesn't help at all. It's just we need to have everybody involved. And I think this is a process and to, um, yeah, you need to invest in, in, this, in this process. And I think everybody has kind of his ups and downs in the learning curve. Myself, I think everybody. And um, I think that's, that's why it's good when you have it um, yeah, a wide range of people who is willing to um, make this investment to help out because sometimes when if you're on the downside of the learning curve it really helps if somebody um, yeah, can, can help out or provide his knowledge or, or perspective which you lost and, and so I think that's, that's very important that you um, 
Of course, I think it helps that we are the owners, we are here and we, we really um, say we want this. This is, um, fits our culture and, and we're totally behind it. And I think this is, is a big help. It's not just a new management philosophy from um, somebody. McKinsey or yeah, whoever. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's, it's kind of, um, we say like we, we can recognize a, a culture within that system which, which is, suits very much what we want. And I think this helps to, to uh, um, yeah, go through that process. How much are you still actually here? Like how much do the people feel you? How much interaction do you have with the people? Um, I would say we have a lot of interaction, um, maybe also on an informal base. So, uh, yeah, it's not uh, that they have to meet uh, us or that they have to listen to what we tell them because we just play a few roles, but not like the main roles. But still we are in a, in a size that we know all the people, that we uh, can have lunch together, um, they can knock on our door. Uh, if there is something not working, even with holacracy, um, yeah, I'm more or less, and also Daniel spent like five days a week here in the company when we are not traveling. Is there something you're especially looking for when you're recruiting people, when you're recruiting employments? Mm, I think the values we mentioned, in a way we should share them, and not only because they want to have a job at Freitag, they say, yeah, okay, I also like to go on my bicycle. I think you can feel it if, if a person really likes or loves to go on a bicycle and I think it, it helps if you want to, for example, uh, are one of our salesmen who are selling bikeable bags and if you, I don't know, prefer to go on your motorcycle, maybe it's not the perfect fit. So uh, this we check, but in the end I we mean, also it depends need on the profile, specialists, um, I think. And what is interesting, especially with Holacracy now, uh, it's not this clear job profile. Of course, you, you put something on the net to um, attract the right people with the right skills. But I think it's um, at the end we are recruiting people, humans, <laughs> um, persons, and I think then they, they will also grow into those roles. And this, I think that's, that's actually the beautiful thing also about holacracy, that, that the career is not just about how many people you manage, it, it's more about what kind of roles and skills can you provide to the company and I think this is a totally different approach of how you make or define career and um, and I, I realized that more and more now um, we really need to focus on, on, on people sharing um, this vision, the values and, and of course they need to have some experience or skill set which, which fits to the role that we need but um, yeah, I think we had some interesting or some of the most interesting careers are people who really um, have been in all kinds of different um, now called circles and, and I think they are um, very valuable people to the company because they have this holistic perspective and I think that's, that's a, a limitation you often have in classical hierarchies that you're in one department and in Germany it's even worse, it's called Abteilung. Uh, <laughs> it already seems that the others yeah, are far away, must right? Be, must be a, a lot <laughs> a of distance, distance to the next Abteilung. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's what I think is, is super important to, to really have this collaboration. How do you think that a brand like Freitag can be built? Like how much was luck or coincidence and how much was actually like a, a thing you were doing and you were realizing if we do this, then mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is going to happen. Mm -hmm. How stra mm -hmm. strategic was the whole process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to set up an authentic brand, I think you should not set up uh, 
synthetic story. It should be just a, a real story. Yeah. And I think this still works. I would say if, if you do it the way you like to do it, you would do it. Uh, I think it, it's honest and real. And this is maybe a solid base for, for, a, for maybe big or good brand for the future. Um, if it's yeah, more like a marketing setup, I think uh, the, the customer today, they, they will feel it that it's maybe not the true story. So yeah. there I think you should be very careful mm. or honest. I mean, there's this quote and it's probably dangerous to, to bring a quote <laughs> without knowing who was saying it, but the um, <laughs> culture eats strategy for breakfast, I kind of like because I think our strategy mm. wasn't so straight but our culture was, was maybe very, very consistent. And I yeah. think this is probably what people feel, that there is some consistency in, in, our, in our behavior. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think this mm -hmm. is probably stronger than a, a very clear strategy, which, which you, I think, yeah, sometimes um, if you realize that, that you are kind of getting away from your values, I think then even a hard turn is the right strategic decision and, and maybe from a strategic perspective you say like, okay they don't know what they want but actually they you stick to your core yeah. and so but I think it's also a lot of luck like mm. uh, our story to have like three materials coming from the street uh, recycled into a, a sustainable bag going back to the street I think this is really it works in pictures you can tell it in three sentences you end up with individual products. So I think, yeah, it's a lot of luck because if it would be so easy, we would start companies like that uh, every day and, yeah, and we didn't so far, so. Uh, yeah. I mean, and sometimes, I mean, to create the first bag was easy. Mm. I mean, Marcus <laughs> says always it was kind of one afternoon he spent for the design for the first bag. Yeah. But I think to design all the components around it, I think we spent much more time in our shelf system, which is modular and um, you can, um, with, with one element like a Lego brick, you can build um, shelves as wide or as high as you want. And I think we invested much more time in designing the shelf <laughs> to present the bags yeah. <laughs> than the in bags. the first bag okay. itself. Of course, now we also spend in development of new models and so on, but, but what I want to say is just kind of, um, yeah, there is, design all over we invested during the last 25 mm -hmm. years. Yeah, maybe the, the product is there and it's good, but if you don't know how to communicate or maybe how to produce or how to sell, uh, yeah, you can struggle. And, and I think there you, that's why I mean, make these prototypes and, and try to test it, try to, to sell it very on an early right. stage right. and then just constant redevelop and mm. do it a little mm. bit better than you did before. And, and I think that's the way we, we proceed. Mm -hmm. What I also find very incredible is how you push yourself to new things, like especially the, the, the clothes you start to mm -hmm. produce. Mm -hmm. um, is this something you need to do? Otherwise, you probably would leave the company. Or is it something that comes to you because it just comes? Both. I think in the case of fabric, uh, what we are wearing uh, Both today. Both of you are wearing yes, fabric? Yes, only everything. fabric. <laughs> uh, not the shoes, right? You not not the, the shoes. shoes. Yeah. Everything <laughs> else is fabric. Yeah. Um, there was the idea to have a second material in our uh, toolbox, because so far it's truck tarp, seat belts, inner tubes, and these are all synthetics. They are recycled, but 
in the future maybe they are not existing. And we thought it would be nice to have a material who can grow in Europe, who can biodegrade on your compost. And that's the reason why we developed fabric, uh, fibers made from hemp, linen and uh, bleach wood. And I think this is good or safer for a company like Freitag to have a second product family, which is also maybe growing for the future. Because so far it was really like one idea, making these bags, and this can be dangerous if you don't. Probably have. it's also nicer to wear. We did that for some fun events, but um, you don't want to wear it all day long. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's it's this, this circle thinking we try to bring into um, something new and, and I think we try to create the situation like 25 years ago, the personal need um, and I think it, it was it felt strange to buy um, clothing for our workers or our team um, which is made somewhere in Far East from materials you don't want to wear, wear. And, and so we had to feel like okay, can we buy some um, clothing which is suitable to our culture or philosophy and, and we realized it's, it's not existing. Mm -hmm. um, so we said, like, okay, let's do it ourselves. So we wanted to buy the fabric <laughs> um, and we realized even this is, is hard to find. And so um, we ended up in a, in a kind of a long development process. It took us over five years. Of course, wow. it, was, it was not kind of uh, 10 people uh, five years, but yeah. it was a, a constant process to really, um, from from the fiber to the sewing thread, uh, details like uh, the button is, is a, this is metal, obviously not biodegradable, but yeah. um, so we have to invented the, the first screw button, which yeah. you can uh, use for your next jacket, because this one will someone biodegrade or right. just uh, be and, gone, and but then, this could be for generations. And then when I buy the next one, I don't get any buttons to it? or uh, how You can you leave them there, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think this is, I mean, it's not about saving the world with this little piece of metal, sure. but the educational moment to realize, okay, this is a different cycle. And this one is long lasting. Uh, this one is something which scratches off and you breathe it in and, and so it should, better should be healthy. Um, and I think this is, is um, yeah, just maybe an attention to details, um, which sometimes is missing um, in a fast growing, fast pace um, environment. And I think to take your time to really develop such a button um, is maybe not what every company does nowadays. But here the challenge is you cannot see how sustainable this jacket is. So right. again, here we are learning. It's not so easy to communicate and to, to educate the, the customers. And what is the difference between uh, a product like that, which is maybe made in wherever, made from whatever, and there I think it takes again some time to uh, become How is popular. it in a, in a, in a cost um, in a cost analysis? Is it like much more expensive or is it something which you can already produce like on a on a level where you can say we don't have to actually invest? We are losing money with every piece we sell? Mm -hmm. I think if you compare it with a similar piece of clothing we're I think on an equal cost but I guess we have less margin Probably. <laughs> uh, because we really invest in the material and in the process. Um, and I think it's, it's still it's challenging to, to find the cost structure to make it possible and not to be extraordinarily expensive. And because you also want to be um, kind of available, people should sure. 
be able to buy it. Right, especially with luxury. this fast-moving uh, mm -hmm. um, um, clothing industry where they just buy things, wear it once, throw it away again. Um, is there? Do you think there is room, like, to 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 save? Do you believe if the if you can produce more, is it there, like a um, a, a, a possibility with um, um, additional amount of, of products that mm -hmm. you become cheaper? Well, there's definitely this um, scale which helps to, to reach that, that point. Um, but I think it's, it's on both sides. I think also on, on the customer side, you need to understand what the true cost is. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, yeah, it's at the end, if, if it's a blue t-shirt and, and you can't see the difference yeah. when it's there in a spotlight mm -hmm. and I think that's why um, also the yeah, the user of the product really needs to ask the question okay what price <laughs> what is the real price and who was paying it and, and so I think there's a lot of, of communication needed to, to uh, um, make it make it clear why what the, the real price should be mm -hmm. to make it fair to the environment, to the fair to the next generation, fair right. to pe the people producing it, and that's that's a, a lot of, of communication. But yeah, we believe there is a customer who is interested. Um, maybe the same with the food. Uh, first, food. Okay, what do you eat? What is in there? Is it really healthy? And I think now we are coming to the point where people also want to know. Okay, what do I wear? What are the ingredients of, of this product? And yeah, I think it's it's getting closer there. And yeah. it's, if there is like slow food, I would say this is slow fashion in yeah. a way or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And we believe there is a customer and so far we also attract them, we find them and people who want to buy less, but maybe they spend a little bit more on one single item right. and uh, yeah. It's a little bit the same. We are the prototype of the customers, and we hope we are not the only ones. So. Yeah, I'm very positive that it's not the case. I'm, I, I think there are so many people who who have these thoughts already, and there are people who have like just hundred items, yeah. and they are advertising on Twitter. And mm -hmm. I think there is a wave building up in that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And I think if you can't do it, who could do it? Because you already mm -hmm. have this yeah. label, Freitag, yeah. mm -hmm. and I think it really reflects. Mm -hmm. I think this is a chance because um, if you just have the conscious line, uh, people start to ask, and what if the rest 95% is this the unconscious part? <laughs> yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. the shift for, for a big player is, is mm -hmm. uh, difficult. Mm -hmm. so maybe this is a chance of, so like, okay, it's, it's in our DNA to be sustainable and, and to be uh, um, in this circular approach. And I think maybe this is, is a chance. Of course, it's, it's, uh, we need to grow into this. Um, it's a, it's a learning curve for the whole company. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a different different business. What are the biggest challenges now for Fabric? Yeah, to make people thinking about Freitag, even if they think about the new T-shirt or pants. So far, it's bags, bags, and bags or wallets. And this is also a challenge. Uh, on one side, you're right. It's it's good if Freitag does this. But uh, so far, we are not known as a, as a fashion brand who also offers uh, apparel. And I think this is one challenge uh, to go to a Freitag store to buy pants. So far, you go to a store to buy a bag. And right. I think this takes time to change mm -hmm. people's mind. Are there any other new products or innovations that you are working on? Or is it mainly the, the bags and everything around the bags and then the fabrics, the, the apparel? Um, 
Well, I think um, we always have um, we have too many projects going on for sure <laughs> um, on on the product available for sale. I think it's it's not that we're really working on another diversification, but what we do is is we also have some innovations which um, were not planned to be a product for sale, but maybe it's, it's a rack system, uh, to mention one example, which we only use in our retail environment, um, which also could be perfect, suitable for different situations. And so there's some, some projects where we try to um, um, evaluate if, if uh, there is other products already within the company that we could make available to our customers. I think also uh, our sales channels, we have to rethink a little bit. Um, I think to just have like the online store here and normal stores there, I think that's a little bit the past. Mm -hmm. uh, we already had it, uh, more or less like 20 years ago, we had like the first on offline uh, web shop. Uh, it was based in Davos and it was possible to to enter the store via a webcam. And I think this is also one of those ideas, maybe at this time a little bit too early. Uh, now it would be time, uh, definitely, to, to come again with this concept. And yeah, there are many ideas I would say we should work on, but we should only tell if they are really uh, ready to, to launch, I think. Right, right. Is there, is there anything like especially um, digitalization got an influx on your, on your work, like where you say, like the online channel probably you said? We, we, like I mean, we mentioned. Yeah, it's something we um, realize with, with our uniqueness of the back, there's always challenges um, which are not obvious. And, but it's, I think, about the fourth time that we kind of rebuilt the whole infrastructure of our website. And it was always um, a huge challenge. Um, maybe just loading time of, of unique bags and you want to make them worldwide available. Usually you have those um, content distribution networks and you kind of refresh the site in Asia every once a minute. But if you have a unique product and you put it in your shopping cart, yeah. it's really annoying if somebody else buys it away. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why it's it's challenging to change the algorithms to uh, the <laughs> the needs of, of uniqueness, and, and yeah. that's uh, sometimes you don't realize this at all when you're surfing the site. Um, you only how unique the site yeah, also is, yeah, yeah. And, and what processes yeah. you need. Because to. you take like of every product which comes to the online shop, you have to take a picture because it's unique, right? Yeah, and, and we do it 360 degrees. And Usually, you uh, for a pair of sneakers, you do it once, and then you sell a thousand pairs of shoes with the same set of pictures. And in our case, we make uh, up to 16 pictures just for one product. And, and this is you don't realize it when you click on the website. Yeah. Yeah. And you said like when someone picked up here um, bags, you said that probably it's already time in Asia that they are buying bags right now. So yeah, this one. A black one will go to Asia soon because uh, they get up really early to to buy the the black ones. The black ones, <laughs> in a way. Well, not not just. I mean, it's interesting. We really have a fan base, yeah. and many of them have something like a collector's pattern. So they have maybe a certain color or tarp, and they really scanning the web um, or stores or. Um, even secondhand to just kind of um, get another one from their kind of collector's pattern. It's, it's, it's um, quite interesting and there's a lot going on also um, online and not from our side, uh, just, just fans who are 
um, communicating with each other and, and posting on, on the FRTG hashtag. There's just thousands of pictures um, just from fans. It's almost like a religion. Mm-hmm. Sort mm-hmm. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How does that feel for you guys? Then you <laughs> must be Jesus or God or something. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have this feeling for a short moment. But uh, yeah, no, there are a lot of collectors, especially in Asia. But I also know uh, from a guy in Munich, he has over 200 Freitag bags. Wow. Sometimes, yeah, they have like a, a pattern, so they puzzle together the truck again. So they collect all the products from one truck and then they bring it together. Uh, religion, yes, in a way. If, if, you, if you go back to our values, um, I think definitely it's something we believe in or, yeah, which are values we share with our customers and I think a Freitag bag is a symbol to show that you also stick to these uh, values and yeah so far we are not away from a religion kind of a religion mm-hmm. but yeah of course we never would use this word and I think um, uh, especially since um, diversity is, is one of our um, core elements values, yeah. and and I think this is this is kind of nearby against this this idea of that you have a mass of people following in, in one direction. I think if, if your philosophy is diversity, um, of course it's nice if many people follow, but everybody should follow with their own personality right. and their own kind of... But it also feels a little bit awkward when you have this huge fan basis. Well, I think... If they're fan because of our, what we do and, and what we believe, um, I think it's totally totally correct. I think um, if they just want to wear the brand, then they're probably wrong. Um, and we're probably also not the brand which is then uh, the perfect fit for them. Okay. And that's actually what we dis- discover when we're traveling around the world. It's a very diverse um, crowd, but somehow you feel that you have something in common. And I think this is, this is, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, that you have the feeling like how diverse this person ever is, but, but somehow I, I have something in common and, and to figure out what it is and where it comes from mm-hmm. uh, are always good, good uh, um, relations. Mm-hmm. So um, you as brothers and co-founders and companions for such a long time, um, I think there must be a point where you are just fed up with him or with him. How, how do you do that and how do you handle the situation that it's mm-hmm. such a close relationship? You know, sometimes it's interesting that we really also focus on, on maybe the work when we talk. Um, even I could come back from holiday and I think we could spend a lunch meeting not talking about the holiday. And it's, I think it's not because Mark is not interested in how I am or how it was, um, but but somehow, sometimes you just make this 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 cut very naturally, not um, forced. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a different uh, priority as well. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. to talk about uh, the work because otherwise uh, one of us cannot go ahead, and then the private stuff is just aside. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I think that helps. So maybe that's one answer to. Mm-hmm not also share the whole private life and everything. It's, it's more like working partners, even your brothers. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's maybe uh, one thing. And another thing is to have also um, a third person or 
people out of the team on the table or uh, when we interact because uh, if it's just the two of us yeah you're going back into patterns which are sometimes not, <laughs> maybe not so constructive so that's uh, another secret maybe <laughs> and i think it's this constant search between um, in the last 25 years where we i think we had times where we more or less would sit every day in the same meetings with the same topics and we really kind of um, move together um, shoulder by shoulder um, and there have been times where we really try to separate more and, and it's like okay let's try to um, it doesn't make sense we just have double uh, <laughs> our presence so uh, if we really concentrate on different things um, it's more helpful and I think it's it's um, we're still searching for this pattern and, and I believe now that this uh, kind of um, <laughs> waves are actually the pattern. So it's even that you feel lonely sometimes and think, oh, where well, is he? No, no, I, I, really. I think so. <laughs> don't miss me. <laughs> well, I, I think for certain moments, of course, you, you um, because in those moments you also realize where the the ping pong, where the, the yeah. partnership, where the the yin yang, whatever you want to call it, um, really works. Um, that that um, where the opposite part kind of is is making the thing full and. So in that sense, I think, um, yes, of course, sometimes I'm missing you, but um, I also appreciate sometimes uh, the freedom of, of uh, um, and of course, now we have uh, 150 or 170 other partners yeah. we can, yeah. we can uh, that also approach. Helps. And this is also, I think, important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have been talking a lot about Freitag now, because it's your company, it's yeah. your life, but you are both fathers, mm -hmm. I learned. And is there something that keeps you up at night that you may be worried about, about our future, about things that we have to do or have to change besides like what your actual business is, what, you, what is within your, your boundaries of Freitag? Yeah, well, I, I think there has to change a lot and um, I'm a very positive person, so I, I believe that there is change for good. <laughs> um, of course, you ask yourself, okay, how how can it happen or what needs to happen that the change really takes place um, and of course if you uh, watch the news or um, look at your stream sometimes you have the feeling like it's it's more it's gonna get worse um, of course the, the only positive thing about that is that I think it's a wake-up call <laughs> and in that sense I'm even a little bit um, thankful <laughs> that uh, maybe this um, wake-up call can help to change um, but I think there's also really some systems need to be redesigned um, maybe also just the question what is a valuable company not from a financial perspective but what company is bringing something into the world which is maybe valuable for the next generation and, and for the environment and for the whole world uh, and not just trying to watch the numbers and say like, oh wow great company look how good they're doing are they really doing good? To whom? <laughs> and I think this is just the, the way to look at, at companies uh, in a different way. Uh, I think that would change a lot already. So the main goal in your case is to be a role model for this next generation? Yeah, I think therefore Freitag is a really good example to, to inspire other people or other projects to go in the same direction. Uh, I think this impact is, is much bigger than the impact we have with our own project. And yeah, if we can be a good example or if we can teach uh, or if we can show other people yeah. how to do it, um, that's what we really like to do, I think. And maybe this is, could also be an approach to the Swissness because I think 
on a global perspective, Switzerland is irrelevant. But as an example, I think Switzerland always was able to prove that you can do something right or good or try to make it better. And I think um, maybe because it's small, <laughs> um, it's a chance to make the move faster and, and, and to, to prove that it's possible. And, and in that sense, I think, um, yeah, we love to be Swiss and, and trying to be an example. And I think it's not about being perfect. It's maybe something the Swiss people need to change a bit mind. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's holding you back from doing. I think um, you should always try to become perfect, but you don't have to be perfect. And I think that's also what sustainability is. It's just this questioning constant of, of, of there, if there is a better solution. And I think this is yeah, maybe the, the thing Switzerland needs to learn from other countries. <laughs> to be more open-minded, to be more collaborative, to be less afraid, to be less perfect in a way. But on the other hand, we can really understand it as a big opportunity as Swiss to be a role model to the world because mm -hmm. we have this great situation that we can mm -hmm. achieve a lot. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it's a very, very good and beautiful closing statement. Um, I would like to ask you, is there any final advice you would like to give to, uh, to someone young um, who starts the company or who, uh, who thinks about entrepreneurship? Um. Well, I think um, it's never wrong to um, watch the TED talk, start with why. <laughs> no, I think to, to figure out what your purpose is, where your core is, I think this is, is more important than a clever product idea. Um, we didn't start like that, but somehow we listened to this, this voice. <laughs> and I think this is probably the, the advice I would give, um, kind of try to listen to that inner voice where your motivation comes from and try to build products around that inner voice and not trying to see a future market and uh, the investment and the return on investment. I think it's, it's uh, maybe that would be my, my final advice. <laughs> from your side, Marcus, any mm, final yeah, like, advice? Like make these constant steps, maybe also small steps. Incremental um, steps that the fall yeah, is not too. Yeah, I think this is one idea. Uh, also to team up with uh, people right. you have the feeling uh, it's good. You need to have If a it's good not the brother, it can be a friend or yeah, a wife yeah. or whoever. <laughs> whoever. Team up. Doesn't matter, yeah. But uh, especially for me, it depends a little bit on the type of guy you are. But in my case, I really like the interaction and I think it, it brings you uh, ahead. Yeah. Or at least treat your partner as a brother. <laughs> that's, that's a very, very good statement for closing. Thank you so much that I was able to uh, come here to come to your factory, and I hope you to see you guys again. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. 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 Thanks.